I'm Cy Musiker, and this is Curtain Call, and I'm savoring the last days of summer on the show this month, talking to a composer who's listening to Wolf Creek, hearing from a trio of women, speaking from the grave, and celebrating the return of KVMR's Celtic Festival. It's been gone too long. Let's start with guitarist Julio Limos. Julio Limas, and he's just an amazing seven-string guitarist from Brazil. He's teaming up with the NorCal duo Boca do Rio. That's Kevin Welch and Alex Calatiud, practitioners of what they call psychedelic samba. This should be an amazing show of Brazilian rhythms and virtuosity. So fun. Julio Limos with Boca do Rio play the Wild Eye Pub in Grass Valley Sunday, September 3rd. There are so many great shows this month, all within a few minutes' drive of this station. Like music by the composer Binz Melander, who lives in North Auburn and was the White House pianist during the Johnson and Ford administrations. These are just lovely chamber pieces, and with Terry Brown singing, mashups of art song and pop song. Music in the Mountains presents Music of the 60s, arranged and written by Binz Melander at the St. Joseph's Cultural Center in Grass Valley, 2 p.m. on Sunday, September 3rd, busy day. Now here's another local sensation. Wasn't born in a big old mansion. I don't need a million things because my voice was meant for singing in these hands. Built for strings. See the ocean, winding highway through the fog, the coast. She cries out to me anytime I stay away too long. Whoa. Hattie and the Moon Howlers are on the bill at the Deer Creek Music Festival, sponsored by the Miners Foundry. The festival was inspired by Nevada County native Mark Martini, who thought there weren't enough showcases for the county's many fine musicians. So true. Tim High and the Mighty with the ubiquitous Bob Woods, Currency King and his band One Love Nation, Brett Shady, really the best folk rocker in the foothills, and more are on the bill for the Deer Creek Festival September 9th at Pioneer Park. Support your local musicians and composers like this one. world-famous Evelyn Glennie playing a marimba concerto with the City Chamber Orchestra of Hong Kong. And no, Glennie doesn't live up here in the foothills, but the composer does. She's Alexis Ulrich, who's having a moment. 
Ulrich has lived in Grass Valley in a house deep in the woods for about 10 years now after stints in Hong Kong and Beijing. In a few weeks, In Concert Sierra is giving Ulrich's Sierra Rhapsody a world premiere. I'd say it's a brand new piece, except that it was originally programmed for 2020 and delayed by COVID. A few days ago, I talked to Ulrich about her work while we sat by her grand piano. Ulrich says she began studying piano at eight years old, and from the start, her teacher encouraged her to write music. And she said, don't worry if it doesn't sound like real music. And that was this magic key, because that's what blocks everybody. You can't, the ordinary person can't sit down and just create something like you might could write a short story or a poem without any training. You can't do that with music. There's a lot of technique that goes into it. So she just relieved me of that whole thing. Don't worry if this doesn't sound like music, fine. So I just made up this little thing that was fun to play. Can you play it now? I can, I think, let's see. And I must have had an ending because I love real endings or something like that. But it was just, she taught me chords I knew it wasn't real music, but that was it. And it stuck. Yeah, it stuck. Yeah, when I was about 14, she had this talk with me, and she said, I think you could really become a musician. It was a bold out of the blue, because I didn't know there was such a thing, really. Composer who was alive and in the room, you know, they're usually just in books. And they're all dead, and they're all men. Yeah, yeah. But she just galvanized me, and uh, then I just, I focused from then on, 100%. And she was right. It was just the right thing for me. It's been a weird journey, not, you, not a straight path, you might say. And, and you studied music with the late uh, Lou Harrison while getting your master's degree at uh, Mills College. And Harrison's compositions were deeply influenced by Asian and Pacific Islander influences, especially the music of Bali. How did that have an effect on your music? Oh, it was wonderful. Um, and it's, it's really Java, actually. Yeah. Gamelan, yes. Yeah. He and Bill Kovic, his partner, had made an American gamelan that was in place at Mills College. So we were all recruited to be in there, and we learned how to do it. And just that type of music, the way they construct it is completely different. They don't have this great auteur that, that creates the composition. They do it collaboratively. And which is really exciting. It gave me a new sound to think about for this is real music. It doesn't have to sound like Mozart or the latest avant-garde thing. And also a new idea about layers and texture because that's um, everybody is thinking about their own part and, and harmonizing together. So it, it's very complex, but in a really accessible way. There's a couple of compositions that have been recorded by you. There's Bell and Drum Tower, and then you did a marimba concerto for Evelyn Glennie, who's very famous as a percussionist. Did we hear some of those influences in those music? Yes. Yeah. Especially, well, I was living in Beijing when I wrote Bell and Drum Towers, and I studied the Chinese violin, so I learned about Chinese music patterns, which I also love. But the, the marimba concerto has, in the last movement, it has a section that is very influenced by gamelan and by that by their structure because they have a way of taking a melody and then playing it at normal tempo and then playing half tempo when you fill in everything else in between those notes and it gives a sense of timelessness
So one of your pieces is on the program for In Concert Sierra this month. They're going to play your Sierra Rhapsody. Tell us a little bit about that piece. How did it come about? It was commissioned by Lynn Shugren, who's a well-known local pianist. Uh, I had written a short piece for her. And so then I guess she knew how I worked, and so she wanted to ask me to do this one. And um, her vision was a tribute to the Sierras, because that's where we are, and she liked the name Rhapsody because that's it gives it a kind of emotional background. And and um, it's kind of a concerto, piano and orchestra. Yes, it's a one-movement concerto. And you said it's about the Sierra. What do we hear in the music that reminds us of these tall pine trees and these huge mountains? When I was getting ideas, I found this place looking over Donner Lake, and it was this granite seat way up there and I could see the whole ridge of the Sierras and I just sat there for a while and contemplated and I was I have the idea that I'm listening and so I make myself very quiet inside and I see what happens and there's a sense of the grandeur of it and also knowing I've been there close up backpacking and I know what it's like with all those high meadows and the water so I have that in my mind too so that's partly, it's partly the grandeur, it's partly their its role in California as an important part of the geography, and then it's also about the people. And that was actually really important to me because I feel like I'm, I, I landed here as a stranger and everybody's been really welcoming and I wanted to kind of express my, make a portrait of the local people. So that's in it too. So there's a kind of Celtic sense in it that I got from the traditional musicians around here. Oh, that's lovely. Now, you're going to play a, a selection, can you? I can play, yeah, what I call the main theme. I was thinking about music that evokes nature and the most famous of uh, the past of all these four seasons, perhaps, and Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony. How do you see this fitting into that tradition? Oh, that's such a good question. It's, it's, it's not telling a story as in a narrative, like this happened and this happened, but it's definitely got imagery in it, and it's dramatic. And maybe it goes up the peaks and then you look over the landscape, something like that. You know what, I find that people see all different kinds of things when they hear my music, and I love to hear back what they heard. I I wrote a piece called Avenues once, and somebody said, I could hear all the car horns honking. (laughs) So it's supposed to kind of kick off people's imagination, and then we'll see what they see. You've also just been commissioned to do a piece called Listening to Wolf Creek by the Nevada County Arts Council and working with local musicians and the Nissanon. Uh, tell us about the process you're beginning right now 
for that new composition. I was so happy to see that they're trying to really fund artists to work, just like the old WPA project, which is really gratifying, like we're doing something important. And I want it to be important. Uh, Right now, I'm working with Gary Griffith, who's the president of the Wolf Creek Community Alliance. He's a trove of information in every field, like history, botany, science, geology, all that. He either has connections or knows it himself. So I'm getting educated in that. And then I'm on taking tours of Wolf Creek. They do monitoring of Wolf Creek. And so I'm going to the spots where they monitor it. And it's everything from being underground to being very natural. I've been, I went to the headwaters and then to the places where it's kind of in the back of the industrial barbed wire yards and things. Right, it goes under Route 49. It's very urban in some areas and there's a water treatment plant on the river. Yes, yeah. yes. And then again, in the grant, we said listening to Wolf Creek. So I'm going to do the same thing, which I'm going to go sit there and contemplate and see what see what I hear in my mind. Because again, that creek is tying together this whole area. And it's, it's very important. And literally, people haven't heard of it. You could walk over it 10 times and not really know it. So it'd be really nice to raise a profile of Wolf Creek and see if it can become a little more part of life here. That's Grass Valley's Alexis Ulrich. The In Concert Sierra Orchestra with Lynn Shugrin at the piano will perform the world premiere of Sierra Rhapsody by Ulrich September 17th, along with music by Rossini, Mozart, and Elgar. Good company. All at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Grass Valley. The first concert of the season for In Concert Sierra. Again, that's September 17th at 2 p.m. So many shows, so little time, but this one's a must-see. So good, that Sunvolt led by Jay Farrar doing a song by the late Doug Somm. And this is from a tribute album to Somm, a friend of Farrar. Uh, Somm, who died in 1999, was famous for his 60s band, the Sir Douglas Quintet, and later for co-founding the Texas Tornadoes, which just brilliantly mixed American rock, country, conjunto, and blues. And they had Flaco Jimenez on accordion and the late Freddie Fender on vocals. It was just a great band. Anyway, Sunvolt is touring, playing the complete album, Day of the Doug, all covers of Doug Somm songs at each show. Sunvolt plays the chapel in San Francisco September 20th and Harlow's in Sacramento September 21st.
Speaking of old rockers, I've got to mention that Dave Mason is playing the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley September 19th. I had a college roommate who played Mason constantly, and I never got tired of listening to his music. In England, in the early 20th century, George Joseph Smith married and murdered three women, one just a day after the wedding, in a case that at first baffled the police and Scotland Yard. From each one, he took all her money, and then he drowned each of them in a bathtub. Sharon Winnegar talking about the play The Drowning Girls, a murder mystery and a grisly feminist ghost story, which she's directing for Sierra Stages. And it was called in the British press, The Brides in the Bath. We're in a time when violence against women, domestic abuse, Mm -hmm. is less acceptable than ever, and yet it keeps going on and on and on. And that's the playwright's point of view. The playwrights wrote this in 1999, but it's got huge resonances for today. Alice, she was found under the floorboards. She was found with her throat cut, found with a mouthful of arsenic, found chopped to pieces, then baked in a pie, found tied to a tree in Hyde Park. Alexis Sandejas, Trisha Dare, and Kate Haight portray the ghosts of the three drowned girls. Plus, they also portray the police officers, the family members, and their murderer in the play. And in the process, they discover a kind of defiant sisterhood from the grave. Found? Found? Drowned. Just a minute, Henry. Just a minute, George. Just a minute, John. What will this night bring? Married six weeks. Married a day. Married a time. My mouth kissed. His hands. My foot touched. Patted. Tickled. I love you. I love you. I love you. I remember. On the bridge. At the chapel. A park bench. Raining. A fountain. Proposing. Be. My. Wife. Yes. 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 This play by Beth Graham, Charlie Tomlinson, and Daniela Vlaskalik premiered at the Edmonton Fringe Festival in 1999. It sounds so creepy and so good. Uh, Sierra Stages presents The Drowning Girls in the round at the St. Joseph's Cultural Center in Grass Valley, September 21st through October 14th. I'm going to jump ahead a wee bit now to October 7th for a chance to hear some poetry. Frightened, my childhood refused to attend my life, though I invited it repeatedly. Broken, it handed me shards I dusted off, demonstrating how to assess the depth before easing into pain. I blew on its sore eyes, resorted to lies. Your desk, I said, and the imploded hole to your right on the cross-taped window will still be here, sparkling like the stars above when you return. That's poet and Foothill resident Ruja Mohasesi, recorded in July at the Nevada City Farmer's Market. The stage is a bit noisy with Route 49 a few yards away, but what a treat to hear from one of the many poets and writers drawn to the artistic haven of Nevada County. We are lucky. And Michael Lynn Logue of the Nevada County Arts Council has been arranging poetry readings every few months at the market. The next one is October 7th. No word yet on the lineup, but where else can you get poetry and potatoes in the same place? Now for the first festival of the fall.
The song Aura by Talisk, a group that pushes way past what you'd expect from a trio featuring a fiddle, guitar, and concertina. Great dance music. And they're headlining the 25th KVMR Celtic Festival, which is finally back after three canceled years because of COVID and heat and smoke. The festival is a showcase of Celtic culture with music from Talisk, The Elders, The Jeremiahs, local superstars Alistair Fraser and Natalie Haas, of course, plus jousting, fencing, a Kaylee, that's a community folk dance, and more. Uh, but I wanted to focus for this show on the Irish step dancing popularized by the group Riverdance. So I visited the McKeever School of Irish Dance in Sacramento, run by Nicole McKeever, herself once a member of the Riverdance troupe. Uh, McKeever will be teaching classes and performing at the festival. I've read that there are three instructions that are most commonly heard in Irish dance studios, which are kick higher, turn out, and keep your arms in. Uh, does that sound familiar? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, those, those, the arms, they're hard. They, they, it looks like it's easy, but it's not. And it takes a lot of strength. Even the best dancers using so much um, core strength just to keep the, the arms in. Right, and why, where did that tradition come from? You know, that's the crazy thing, and if anyone wants to do some research, go ahead, because um, I was at the University of Limerick in Ireland, and they even taught me that there wasn't much written record about the arms. It's kind of um, the dance master would go to the different towns and teach people deportment, so a lot of it is holding yourself very high, um, you know, shoulders back, but then... There was one time I heard on a documentary, a PBS documentary, and it was like they were talking about how Irish dance was done in small spaces. You would take a door off the the hinge and put it on the dirt floor, right? There wasn't wood on the floor, and you would be dancing on a door. So if you think about that in a small place, you're not going to really use your arms um, too much. Uh, My co-host, Adriana, couldn't be here, but I know she wanted me to ask about the curly hair yeah. and all the wigs that you can buy <laughs> for competitions. Uh, what's the origin for these curly wigs mm-hmm. in competitions? Um, so within my lifetime in Irish dance, and I'm not even that old, it, I didn't grow up wearing a wig until I was in, you know, older. So before that, you just curl your own hair. Um, and you have very straight hair, I know. Yeah, yeah, I have straight hair, but we would put like 100 curlers in our hair, and it's for the bounce, it's for all of that. But honestly, even go back further, and there was it wasn't about the curly hair. It was just your Sunday best. You'd go to the competition, and you'd have maybe a bow in your hair or you know wear a nice dress with some Celtic patterns on it. So it's just another aspect of theatrics at, at the World Championships, and then, then it trickles down to even the beginners. Mm-hmm. So the rhythmic uh, beat of Irish dancing always makes me think about uh, American tap dancing, yeah. and which itself is so deeply uh, involved with jazz music, mm-hmm. but also has uh, roots in Appalachian culture and clogging. Yeah. What do you see as the connections between Irish dance and these other traditional American dances? Mm-hmm. Well, I just think it's something that you can't even pinpoint because if you think of all the different cultures mixing together for, what, 400 years, it's like you've got percussive dance in French Canada, Scotland, England, Spain, Ireland. So all these cultures coming together. You've got all the African traditions coming together, and it just all fuses. So it's just it's kind of a beautiful thing about 
the American version of tap because it is it is such a fusion. And you do see stuff that you're like, you'll see a tap dancer do something. You're like, I know how to do that. Or, you know, it's like it is it's a family. Do you want to put on your shoes and then we can hear some of this? <laughs> These are called heavy shoes. There's soft shoes and heavy shoes. These have a fiberglass bottom and a plastic tip on them. And um, before that, like before they put this on there, there were just um, nails that would have been put into the leather. The cool part about having that fiberglass tip, though, is that you can stand on your toes. So we do a lot of stuff like a ballerina would do where you go on point, but you do You do it in a hard-toed shoe. Yeah, yeah, it's just, you just try to balance on that piece of fiberglass. I believe that a jig, you said, mm -hmm. is a, the first thing you often teach folks. So mm -hmm. do you want to show me a jig? Sure. And I'm going to record your feet. Yeah, so <laughs> a jig would start out with one, two, and one, two, three, four, right? So jump, cut, and back to three, four. There's a lot of, right? Then eventually the dancer learns hard shoe, and jig rhythm would be da, 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 da. And then the same movement can be done with hornpipe rhythm. So if you're a music fan, hornpipes, um, da, 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 da. So same movement, right? And then reels, which we love to fly around with, you can go really fast. That's wonderful. So you really have to be able to count time mm -hmm. in the music it's that sounds like the most crucial thing yeah counting and that takes time you know you develop it uh-huh and and uh now show me uh, I, I there's some wonderful videos of you online <laughs> dancing around on the bridge and and everything uh i was disappointed only in that it didn't let me hear your feet yeah uh, <laughs> uh, but we are, we're gonna you're gonna work on that I'm sure I didn't have the editing tools <laughs> right, or no. so so show me something uh, if you don't mind do you want, mm -hmm. show me just a minute of some a dance that you've been working on or, or feel yeah. very happy proud of sure um so st. Patrick's Day is a traditional set dance and even though we're very about innovation within Irish dance it this is a dance that I've heard was choreographed 150 years ago Basically, the steps are all the same all around the world. And Nicole McKeever will be teaching and performing with her dance company at the KVMR Celtic Festival with these steps. Uh, Nicole McKeever will be teaching and performing with her dance company at the KVMR Celtic Festival at the Nevada County Fairgrounds September 29th through October 1st. And let's go out with something from a 2021 album by Alistair Fraser and Natalie Haas, who've done so much through the years to make this festival a success. Hey, gotta go. Uh, don't miss a single episode of our show or just relive this epic experience by clicking on the Curtain Call podcast at kvmr.org. I'm taking the month of October off for some travel, uh, but I'm back on November 3rd. And in the meantime, if you like, send me a postcard, care of KVMR, uh, with tips, suggestions, or news of upcoming shows. I'd love to hear from you, if anyone's listening. <laughs> I'm Cy Musiker, and this is Curtain Call, 
coming to you from KVMR-FM, Nevada City.